is the Amazon Planet Podcast, episode 62. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast is Dr. E.J. Edney, Director of the Center for Inclusion and Cross-Cultural Engagement here at the University of Mississippi. And we have Dr. Edney, or E.J. on, to talk about a workbook that he was a co-author of. It's called Improving Departmental Equity Using the Impact Framework. And it's a way for well, work to be done, a <laughs> workbook, work to be done, around improving departmental equity. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a good title. But I mean, what it makes me think about is I'm a member of a number of professional organizations and each of these professional organizations has these statements for, you know, we need to do things to address inequities that exist within our field, uh, within our organizations, within, you know, within, within whatever units. And this thing that EJ was a uh, co-author of, and it's again from the Every Learner Everywhere uh, network, and he's again one of the co-authors of it. This workbook is a way to examine a department and think about doing, and you do like an audit and a way to point at, hey, here's some things you could work on. Oh, you've got uh, a good vision, you've got good fact, but hey, what about your space? How's your space doing with regards to addressing equity? Or how is the en- environment that you're being, uh, that you're cultivating within the department in order to like, uh, with regards to office hours? So these little things that, you know, get you, like you might not normally think about with regards to access equity diversity issues but this workbook is leads someone through an audit of their department in order to again address all these things and again what we'll talk about in the episode is that you can use this sort of framework to look bigger like at an institution like the whole university of mississippi or the department what its original intention for all the way down to course level or even into your classroom and maybe even to a lesson and there's things a uh, lesson within your teaching and so thinking about how are we teaching better and, and with regards to teaching better how are we addressing inequities that are present within our teaching because as we've talked about in previous episodes especially the one about um, how to be anti-racist with uh, Linda Angadi. You know, we talked about being anti-racist is a, a continuous uh, source of being. And we talk about that in this episode as well. Like there's a continuous choices that need to be made. And so having something like this, this tool that we're going to be talking about as a way to guide actions is something that I think everyone needs to have. Something that like, hey, what's a, what's a continuous or, or iterative thing that we could be doing to continuously evaluate how we are working to make our uh, instruction, our teaching, our environments as accessible, as equitable, and and welcoming as possible. And so we don't really talk about what actually is the impact framework. And so I just, I just wanted to go through it because I think it's, it's, a, it's an acronym and it's got some, you know, each, as an acronym does, each letter represents a word and then there's like a statement and a question associated with it. So, and it, and it says around this regards to improving departmental equity, the impact framework is designed to examine both extant and novel policies to ensure that a policy is. And so, again, thinking about policy, that's that talks about, you know, there's power in policies and thinking about what are we doing in order to, uh, again, make our departments more welcoming, more diverse, more uh, accessible. And so I'm just going to go through the framework real quick and then we'll jump into the conversation with DJ. So I stands for innovative, that it moves us away from oppressive practices. So how does it work to disrupt structural inequity? So thinking about that with regards to um, advancing or improving departmental equity. 
M is for mindful. It accounts for the whole intersectional student experience. So think about all the different identities that students are bringing to a thing. So who's being privileged and who is being penalized? So again, some intersectionality in there. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. P is for purposeful. It intentionally challenges our national Eurocentric status quo. How is it meeting the need it was created for while positively impacting minoritized groups? Again, I really like how this is helping us question the policies that we have in place. Actionable, it calls out and challenges deeply entrenched anti-blackness and other forms of racism. Uh, is it well-resourced, communicated clearly, and does it have measurable results? Again, a, a way to analyze policies that we have in place. Caring, is it predicated on holistic care and concern for students' real lives in and outside of school? <laughs> you know, we've been talking about that a lot lately with some of our, talking about uh, mental health awareness, about staying fit with uh, some of our conversations with uh, Megan Anderson and, and Pat Ward. And being T is for transformative. Uh, it radically reimagines education and student support. How is it working toward a more equitable campus climate? So already you can see what kind of flavor these questions and these points have on the impact framework. And then now they're taking those same questions and points and like pointing it at a department level. But again, this is a tool that could be used, I think, at multiple different levels, or it could at least spark conversations within uh, different grain sizes of teaching so that we can be, again, make our stuff more equitable, accessible, welcoming towards all students. So I'm excited to talk about this. I'm excited for people to see it. Again, links will be in the show notes for it. Um, EJ is uh, he's doing some amazing things here at the University of Mississippi. I mean, that book club that I had that conversation with Linda and Guy, uh, uh few months ago where we talked about um, how to be anti-racist uh, by the book by Ibram X. Kendi. I mean, that book club, EJ was a big part of getting that book club running on campus while we were in the midst of uh, uh, one pandemic, right? And we were talking about another pandemic. So the, all sorts of different things, all sorts of good work that EJ has been a part of and excited for the continued good work that's going to be happening. And again, if you want to get a uh, a look at this uh, workbook that he put out there with his co-authors, I'm excited for it, and it's freely available. Links will be in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 62. But I'm talking too much. Let's get into my conversation right now with Dr. E.J. Edney. Dr. <laughs> E.J. Edney, how are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Glad to be here. Um, <laughs> really, really glad to be here. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. We're trying to organize this conversation. We got, have this uh, workbook we want to talk about. You know, you had a big hand in authoring it, and so... Um, Thanks for coming on the Amazon Planet podcast. This is great, man. I'm grateful for the invitation. Really, really excited to get into it. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know one of those things. Uh, you know, it's a thankful season. One thing I'm thankful for is having these conversations. We were just talking about how we'd known each other from a, a gym life, <laughs> and now we get to talk to each other in a professional life. This is pretty cool. I, I bet you like this one better. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when you saw me, I was in the middle of uh, hating my burpee life, and uh, <laughs> so. So yeah, this is this is a little bit uh, my speed. So before we get too far into it, can you just take a moment to uh, introduce introduce yourself to uh, those that are listening? Absolutely. Um, I'm EJ Edney. I, I came to the University of Mississippi in 2007, um, convinced beyond any other uh, conversations that I was going to be a medical doctor, <laughs> um, and then. Um, you know, took a few courses, uh, namely biochemistry, and uh, realized that there were some other things that I was good at. Um, we might get into that later. Of, of, of you know, once once a kid says they want to be a doctor or a lawyer, people stop asking. You know, yeah, yeah. what what, what <laughs> exactly. else you might want to yeah. do. So, um, 
I realized that wasn't going to be my path and thought about some of the experiences that I had, um, some of the things that I was good at as an undergrad and decided that um, education, namely higher education, would be a good path for me. Um, around the time of making that decision, I was starting to notice that while I had great experiences here at the institution, I wanted to be a part of uh, helping to create some synergy around student support services, yeah. particularly for marginalized students, and um, was talented in saying that in spaces in ways that made people think and got an invitation to uh, from our vice chancellor of student affairs to work with a group of students to determine if we needed a multicultural center. Yeah. And so to now be its director here at the University <laughs> yeah. of Mississippi is a really cool thing. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by the problems that I see. That's right. what brings us here today to this conversation is why I participated in this work that we'll talk about today. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and we're talking about specifically, and, and again, what's cool is that all the resources that we're talking about are, are freely accessible and we'll put links to them in the show notes. So, um, but this workbook, Improving Departmental Equity Using the Impact Framework, how did that come to be? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I've noticed in doing the work that I do is that you've got a, a few different challenges that you have to navigate. One, one is, and, and it's consistent, and you have to measure the extent to which you're going to expend energy here, is convincing people why you should be doing yes. equity work, yeah. right? And so, but, but once you do that, there's still a challenge. It's what do I do? How do I do it? Right. You know, how do I build consensus? How do I start to convince those other folks that it needs to be done and that there's some legitimacy there? So this is one of many tools that helps folks articulate why, uh, but also have some tangible things about how they do it. And, and it's organized in a way that's really easy to follow uh, going from people assessing what the problem is and understanding its different dynamics and then uh, building some consensus around what do we do about it, what's within our locus of control, and what can we do in order to change the systems that produce the products that we're bothered by. Yeah. So, Well, it, what came out to me when I was looking uh, through uh, the workbook is, you know, you're thinking about the, there's there's pointing at policies mm -hmm. a lot of time. And, and again, you're, you're, talking about your, you know, background in higher education, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, really cool. I can, you know, I've been here since 2011. And since then, you know, we created a higher education department mm -hmm. in this, mm -hmm. in, in this, uh, in the school of education and came up with all this programming and came up with the doctoral pro I mean, it was like, it's really like, I think it's probably one of our bigger departments in the school of ed right now. I mean, yeah. teacher ed is big, but I mean, mm -hmm. from a, uh, uh, graduate level. Oh Absolutely. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean it's such a popular program. Mm -hmm. And and looking at how this workbook is pointing at policy, it made it made me think because we did a, I think you let, we read the book How to Be Anti-Racist yeah. by Abraham X. Kendi. I was mm -hmm. like policies. That's we gotta, right. We got to yeah. point at policies. Right, right, right. And mm -hmm. so I, I don't know. I'm like, like what is the power of policies? I guess before we get too far into it. Yeah. Well, I mean the. The, that's a, a really, really important question. I mean, it, it's where things are, but they can seem neutral, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and because we've moved away from those policies that are explicitly discriminatory uh, or inequitable, that's one of the things that makes that first question in this work of, of why right. so important and relevant today is that we have to be trained, we have to be practiced at looking at how this policy is producing results, right? And so on its face, it may be neutral, 
But if it's having disparate impacts on certain communities, we've got to we've got to be willing to rectify that and not view the policy as neutral if its outcomes are not. You know, so so I I think that that this this toolkit is one way that of of really helping people examine what is the outcome, not not what's the intent right. of the policy, but what is it doing to the people that it's meant to serve or protect. Well, this is great. We yeah. I was, before we got into this, I was talking about you know just busy day going into a. Uh, a break coming in next week and I'm just talking to a colleague about a paper and we were looking at its design framework by Halverson and Halverson and it, it talks about you know looking at things from a design perspective where you take think about what are the intentions mm-hmm. going into it what are the features right. that are built into it and this could be a policy this could be a program this could be I mean, a pen for like could be anything that you look at. What are the features built into it? Then how do people take it up? That's right. And then what are the outcomes and saying, oh, did the intentions match the outcomes? That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, like policies are are just work. People have to enforce policies. Mm, yeah. Right. And people are inherently flawed. We We have these internal things that we need to know about. Our policies are going to reflect that. Even when we get to you know past the point of them explicitly reflecting those biases, mm-hmm. right? It's still filtered through a person who has those things, who wants to believe themselves neutral. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so that I think is the the hyper importance of us starting with what are the outcomes that we're seeing, right? right. And how can we reverse engineer, right, in order to get the outcomes that we intend. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can see I mean, we have all these examples around us because wherever people are listening to in the cut, there's probably some some store that has a mask policy, and yep. you go see. Yep. yep. Uh, are, is it being enforced? Are people following it? Like you see, how is it being taken up? There uh, you yeah. Go. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. There's some examples out there. Absolutely. So, and and again, I'm I'm so happy happy that this is freely available. People can go to the website and and see it. But so, this workbook is putting into place this impact framework. But what is the impact? framework yeah so the impact framework is a very um, meticulously laid out framework that helps starts with helping people collect their baseline and historical data so to understand the problems more deeply um, one problem I think that's really important when you're thinking about that is what data don't I have what mm-hmm. story can't I tell right um, so it, it, it goes through that and several other challenges to collecting the data and telling the story well and then what does it say? Right. Is, are, what, what do these numbers imply about what we're trying to do is the next thing that it kind of helps you think through, think toward or think through. Um, and then, all right, once we understand what data we have and don't have, what it's saying, then what do we do? What do we do about it? Um, so that's part one of that is, is doing an equity audit that starts with what are the problems? Uh, what problems can't I know? How do I fix that? And then how do I act on the things that I do see? Um, then it moves into, all right, um, just there are some, there are going to be things that are highly specific to a unit um, that are challenging there, but there are also some things that we're talking about the realm of, of education that mm-hmm. are going to be relevant to lots of different spaces, one mm-hmm. of which is is classroom climate. So it, it has some specific things there about what do you do to address uh, classroom climate? Um, how do I design my courses in a way that helps to, um, 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 highlight and elevate the importance of, of inclusion and access and success. Um, how do I make sure that students see themselves represented in my curriculum? Yeah. Uh, what are those different ways? Uh-huh. Is it as simple as me throwing some names on the syllabus or can I use that as an opportunity to really talk about those contributions that are um, you know, overlooked or yeah. not celebrated as much so students see themselves? 
Um, and then how do I uh, adopt as a full strategy a teaching and an assessment orientation that prioritizes equity? And so that, that's the framework. That's, that is, all of those things are important if I am to pursue equity in an educational space. Yeah. So. Well, I really like, I mean, like, you talk about representation, seeing yourself. Like, I, we go, Dr. Ann Monroe and I doing some research on celebrating the struggle. And Candy's cook, too. Uh, she's a doctoral student, yeah. too. And we're talking about, like, this idea of um, who is a doer of mathematics, who's seen as a doer of mathematics. And there's, a, there's actually a, a, something that actually our dean did um, before was a study on imagining who's a doer of mathematics where yeah. the tools and, mm-hmm. they, and this is they've done this with scientists and other things but mm-hmm. who's a, who imagine a mathematician and it's like you know a lot of times they're they're drawing someone that looks like Einstein or mm-hmm. they're drawing someone that looks like looks like me with glasses mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And like up at the board with and like if it, there's a very confined imagination for who is the doer of your subject absolutely then how are we well and we're dealing with teachers like then are you seeing yourselves as a as a doer? Are you seeing your students as doers? Like, how do we expand what it means to be a doer of mathematics or a doer of any of the things that you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. And we know that possible sales are one way to build self-efficacy, mm-hmm. right? We know that we need self-efficacy in order to persist in any pursuit, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. Being Like, being able to imagine yourself as what it is that you're pursuing yeah. is paramount. Yeah, it's yeah. so important. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, the story I tell with my elementary math methods is like my my sister a lot of my sisters in law some of my sister in laws are you know are in STEM fields mm-hmm. and you can point to how they're doers of mathematics and, and things like that. And so when you look at you know the examples that my daughter has of what are the possibilities, it's mm-hmm. like she sees it. Like it's yeah. it's like not it's like and like it's such powerful like having that imagination or even seeing those examples is Yeah, and one thing that I had to come to realize and I'm really appreciative of my journey for revealing this to me is it's really hard to imagine what it's like not having those possible cells. Mm. I didn't realize that um, because I had those, right? My uh, uncle who's a PhD chemist, grandfather had a PhD. So it it wasn't until me dedicating myself to learning about these things, being bothered by things that were brought to my attention that I realized how different, or that I invited myself to think about how different it might have mm, been yeah. to earn my doctoral degree without seeing anybody who had done it. Yeah. But I, I mean, my mom went to law school. I was three, four years old when she graduated, so I was literally at class. There are pictures of, of <laughs> yeah. her professors holding me yeah, yeah. while she's in class. So it, I could see it, right? right, I, right. I, yeah. I benefited from it directly, that that pursuit, that delayed gratification was evident to me. But you encounter so many students who don't have that same right. story, and we can't be arrogant in our support of them. That that we just say try harder, that yeah. we just make it all about grit or, you know, growth mindset or these right. things, as if you know students aren't gritty to just be in the environment in front of us, right? Yeah. So uh, those are some things that were really important to me, and I think it's important for us as educators to that you know chances are odds are, you know. Once we have earned our, you know, the reality is that once we have earned our our educational credentials, we have a certain measure of privilege. The eyes tell us that there's there's probably some evidence of that in our family backgrounds as well. So we've got to be very thoughtful about people who have different experiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm trying to. I was a first one to go for a doctoral degree, or actually first mm-hmm. one to graduate from a four year institution, mm-hmm. and then to say I'm going to master's degree or a PhD. Like, oh, you, okay, we're 
what did, what, did, right, <laughs> what did you do with right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> my, my grandma worked at a tire factory and like yeah. trying to explain that to her. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Grandma. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so, and again, you thinking about the impact framework and like you're putting this together. What are some learnings that you had in putting this work together? I I just cannot commend that process enough for um, how uh, uh, evident the just approach of collaboration was I'm not saying that I learned that from participation here yeah. but I, I have to just commend the team for how well and efficiently they collaborated on this mm-hmm. um, it gave um, people from all different positionalities so students faculty staff the opportunity to say in real time how they were experiencing our intent right yeah. and so we were able to mold this to a tool that would be useful to multiple multiple constituencies so I, re- I want to commend that this these ideas were not new to me, but one of the things that I'm taking away from me is this idea of anti-racist growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got you know anti-racism, um, you know kind of kind of anchored in this premise that that we have to be, that it's a practice that is not a state of being, right. right? That we have to actively interrogate our intentions and our actions against what they do and to whom, right? right. Um, and then you've got this concept of growth mindset, which has been uh, misused or misapplied in several different um, areas to, to 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 put too much onus, I think, sometimes on the individual right. to have a certain way of thinking mm-hmm. about the environment that they're in. And I just love the way that this team saw an opportunity to put these concepts in concert. First, to challenge this notion that it is a solely individual thing to have a growth mindset, but, right. it, but that we need environments that are conducive there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also that these things can grow, right? So yeah. we, we don't just accept as a reality. We have to accept as a reality, but we don't stop there in realizing that we all have these biases. We all have access to varying levels of power. And when those things intersect, they're going to have disparate impacts on certain communities. But just because we need to acknowledge that doesn't mean that we need to stop there. We can become better. Right. We can develop better ways of thinking, being, and doing in service to greater, you know, greater a wider swath of our population, right? Yeah. So that one, for me, really stuck. Um, again, not new ideas, but the way that they're used and the way that they are offered to the, to the people who will consume this, this, uh, this tool, um, I think is really useful and, and is a shiny, a shiny star of the document. Yeah. Well, I, and I would guess, I mean, and again, I'm looking at the tool right now. Mm-hmm. It's just the, like for, for perspective, like the audit, if people went and looked at the, you know, the, the worksheet around the audit and mm-hmm. like the different areas that you're looking at from uh, what department level policies to mm-hmm. curriculum and instruction uh, to even physical spaces mm-hmm. and thinking about, I bet you, like, in, in creating that audit, like, there's probably think, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. like, all the different, I mean, did you have any ahas like that that kind of throwing that one at you? <laughs> yeah, you know, this this toolkit kind of came at the same time that we were thinking about something very similar on an institutional level. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, there were, there were, there are certainly parts of the, the, tools in terms of suggestions of how you do these things that were new to me mm-hmm. um, but that I, but but the spaces and, and kind of the universal nature of how you do this approach mm-hmm. the global wraparound you know you you don't want to just focus on this one thing right, right? you want to be sure that you're having a, a 30,000 foot view of, of the issues that are in hand those things weren't a surprise to me um, 
And so I, I think, you know, there there is some there will be some novel pieces for anybody who engages with it as somebody who does this stuff, you know, for an institution all the time. There were certainly parts of it for me that uh, that helped to inform the effort that I was doing for the institution mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So um, how so this, you know, lays out a process and, mm-hmm. and again, a, a workbook. Then there's you know, what's cool is like there's links to that you can go and access and um, so you can put the process to work for yourself. I mean, have you put this process to use? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned that, you know, we're developing this around the same time as we are. We're in the first year of a five-year strategic plan for the university called Pathways to Equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pathways to Equity has equity and action plans for all of the academic um, and administrative units on our campus. So the same units that would be putting out an annual report at the end of the year also have been charged to come up with equity and action plans. And we have, um, you know, the majority of those units on our campus have those plans active. And our division is supporting the implementation of those plans, the measuring of those results over time. So absolutely, this toolkit has been put to use um, in, in my everyday practice in, the, in, in helping to provide some capacity to execute in that plan, um, but also in my engagement with individual departments so you've got these administrative units that are also, you can break them down even right. further. And what I love about this tool is that no matter what position you're sitting at, if you are a top-level administrator, these are still the things that need to be important, right? Mm-hmm. There's an extra layer of agency that you need to provide for your people who lead those specific uh, units. Mm-hmm. They may need to be training or development for folks who have that charge, um, but the process is still the same, right? Yeah. And so I love that, you know, uh, someone who has charge of a classroom can take these same steps and, 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 and apply them to their classroom. Someone who has charge of a department, you know, a dean who has charge of a full school or somebody who has, you know, larger authority as a provost or something like that. Um, the steps are still the same. The tool is still useful no matter what, what what's the scope of what you're applying. So. Well, it seems like, I mean, even, you know, thinking about, like, we have course-level teams where mm-hmm. we have, like, eight people or eight sections of a course. Like, you could use that framework for that course. You could use it for a program. We could use it as a department. Mm-hmm. Like, all, you know, like, you could zoom in or out That's however right. you want based off of, like, what grain size you're using. That's right. And even just thinking, like, I was just thinking of an example, and you tell me. You mm-hmm. see how I'm doing. So, like, we as a department think, like, we, well, we want to make instruction that's accessible when, you know, like, there's... Um, you know, people are having, um, you know, go to get student uh, disability services and get an accessibility sort of plan that we're already teaching in a way that we're meeting those needs, like, you know, like the time tasks, maybe doing more performance tasks and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. standard-based assessments or whatever. And so we're already doing that, and we're doing a lot of collaborative group work that it's not all lecture-based and things like that. So already, like, that's creating other ways that we're creating natural supports. Mm-hmm. But then even going down, well, okay, we've, we've instituted all that from a, you know, a, you know, policy sort of perspective and an instruction sort of perspective, but then you look at our space, and we're in a classroom that has a chalkboard at the front with rows and columns of, t- of desks bolted to the floor. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, oh, our space does not support this plan that we already have. That's something we need to address. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it provides a way for you to think all the way through, right? Great things that you all are doing or thinking about. And then you end up, you know, 
with the infrastructure that doesn't support it, right? So I think, you know, if done well, if the right voices are brought to the table in this implementation, you catch things like that yeah. before there's a... Now, that, to say to say that you could use any tool and comprehensively address all those things, you, you absolutely have to be agile. You absolutely have to be responsive to right. the things that you miss or the new realities or, or you know, that, that are presented by just the makeup of the students that you get. Yeah. Um, those things will happen, but there is a way for us to have better system thinking, right, yeah. uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, applying these things. That's a great example that you gave. Yeah. So I guess maybe one more thing is, like, I wonder, you know, we've kind of gone through a, a major uh, disruption to instruction, I guess. I don't know how yeah. we went yeah. with COVID. And thinking about how that kind of, you know, we had Josh Eiler on the podcast earlier, like how that might have sh- uh, shine a light on some things where like people all of a sudden realize, well, if I'm going to do what I tried to do before, if I'm looking at my instruction and how like there probably was some major changes in how people uh, thought about their instruction. And, and probably th- now they're thinking like, well, how do, if I'm thinking about how to do it better, maybe this is a lens that I can use to oh, think uh, about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it required of us to think deeply about why we do what we do and, yeah. and how we do what we do and for whom, right? Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of mandatory pause is, is an opportunity for us to step back. Now, one thing that's been concerning is this idea of a return to normal mm-hmm. as if the last two no. years didn't yeah. happen, right? right? They did, and, yeah. and, and we're going to see the lasting effects of that. We've got to be responsive to that. We, it just can't be that we are, you know, that we move forward and then there's also this romantic, I, I think we romanticized what normal was. I mean, there were really serious challenges then that have been only exacerbated by right, right COVID. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, a, a real opportunity for us, right? Opportunities when we're thinking about the educational space can go both ways, though. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think if we lean too much into trying to approach some sense of normalcy, then we are kind of perpetuating the same things that we... You know that, and, and we. I think we that that kind of brings us to what is what's the purpose of education, right? right? Um, do do institutions exist to perpetuate themselves or to improve people and societies, yeah. right? So, no, that's. I mean, and you know that kind of goes back to thinking about what you talked about with being anti-racist. It's mm-hmm. a just it's a way of being that like like it's a constant decision to keep moving towards the like thinking about the things that we're doing in our classrooms or doing in our institution and think like, how do we keep pushing, you yeah. know, yeah. A, a return to, or not even a, a move to better. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. So uh, what cautions do you have, you know, and just like you said, I mean, just like we were saying before with intentions and outcomes, right? right so like thinking right. about what, what might be some cautions for po- folks putting this document to use? What are some, maybe what my, uh, uh, College instructor Alice Varsolner would talk about fragmented practice. Like yeah. we're calling this inclusive education, it's not really inclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What, what are some cautions? Yeah. So, um, I think one is to realize that the the larger the unit that you're planning for, the more difficult it is to find cohesion between goals, um, and that these. I mean, yeah. So it's this tension of being at. Uh, university, an institution of higher learning that is supposed to invite differences of opinion and uh, robust discussion around these things, 
while also trying to find a way to pull in the same direction, even if you're holding a different rope than right. your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. So there has to be some shared principles, some some things that we say this is who we are as an institution, and there's got to be a willingness to square actions and advocacy for resources and alignment of those resources against who we say we are. Um, And and so who holds that power, who has that responsibility? Another thing that's important to think about is, you know, like the larger those units grow, the the bigger of an effort you're trying to, you have to realize everybody has their passion areas and and varying levels of understanding and engagement with these topics on the day-to-day. And so it takes us back to that original tension that while I'm driving forward progress, I'm also educating the community about why it's needed. I am dispelling fears or suspicions about the allocation of resources toward these things because where is it not going, or at least that's one of the fears that you have to deal with, Mm -hmm. right? And then um, how do I make sure that I um, don't take my passion, my interests, my ideas, uh, my momentum, and get so far out ahead that I miss an opportunity to do something that's going to be more comprehensive mm-hmm. and more connected with yeah. the overall pace of the university. So there's a there's a general, as I kind of finish out this idea, a general frustration with the pace of progress, especially at large institutions, mm-hmm. which is totally understandable, um, totally, especially when you think about folks who hold marginalized identities being a part of the work, and they can be really frustrated with the first pace of that progress. But what's the benefit of making sure that these changes are institutional, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so doing those things at the same time and holding that tension can it's that's something that you should anticipate going into trying to use a tool like this to to advance change. Yeah. And it, it just made me, it struck me as like, you know, we're talking about different grain sizes, like we might be thinking about an individual student and their understanding of a mathematical concept, but you know, you're you're thinking about it institutional wise and like these units probably have different understandings about or different progress towards these That's right. bigger understandings that you're talking about that are revealed through this tool. And That's so, right. Right. Yeah, how do you bring the whole class together or how do you bring the whole institution together, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um so, you know, we get a chance to talk to somebody in administration. So it's kinda nice and you get a this larger view of institution. What are what are some of the best things that uh either and you do to help your teaching, or what is the best thing you have seen in your role that helps students learn? Because I think so, you know, we, this podcast is about learning to teach better, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I think you're seeing things institutional wise, like where either units are learning, figuring out how to learn better, or like they're, you're seeing things that are being more productive at the student level of how they're being successful. I don't know. What, give us some, what are, what are some, uh, some golden nuggets here? Yeah, I, I I think just speaking generally, um, instructors who understand um, the the competing interests of education more broadly, who have their heads wrapped around like their purpose in driving forward education. That is, am I am I helping to develop better citizens? Am I helping to take this student and make sure that they can either maintain or improve their social status? What's, what is, what's my goal? Mm. And how does that square with the student's goal in this environment? And where can I find some synergy, some alignment? Yeah. And then scaling that against uh, an appreciation for what everybody needs in order to persist. You know, everybody needs to feel that they belong. Yeah. Everybody needs to be able to appreciate the value of what I'm being asked to do. 
you know, mm-hmm. in a space. Everybody needs to feel like they can do it, right? When you think about those things in concert with each other, is a couple of things that you've you've got to dissolve. You know, if we are if we're thinking about education in terms of just helping somebody with social mobility, right? Yeah, we've got to really kind of guard against credentialism is that they 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 are doing what we ask them to do because we ask them to do it, and right. does the learning occur? You know, does learning actually occur, or do right. they just have the credential, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then we've also got to think about, all right, if we're doing education just to help somebody maintain or improve their social status, you know, isn't there a possibility that as they move higher and higher up, they're going to see less and less people that look like them, mm. less and less people who are doing what they said that they want to do, and what challenges does that present to why does this matter, <laughs> or right. do, do I belong, right? Yeah. And so I think educators who have their heads wrapped around those motivations to persist and the purpose and tensions between those educational priorities um, and who um, create their educational environment such that students have agency, that they're allowed to be experts in their own experience. Another thing, instructors who ask about themselves and are willing to listen to the responses. <laughs> yeah. um, that, those those are some general things that, that I think people find successful. Last thing I'll say is, is you know, in the incorporation of meta, metacognition. So thinking about thinking, telling, telling folks, it, it, that is what really helps people translate the value of what you're asking them to do in classes is explaining. We, we, I actually do this activity because it helps you to do X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those things, I think, help students buy in a little bit more. And I've seen educators who prioritize those things be more successful. Yeah, I mean, and maybe even say if they've engaged in this process, be like, hey, this activity used to be like this. Yep. Because of response, we've, we've changed it to this. And I'm always looking to get better as an instructor. I mean, just even that showing that, hey, I'm communicating that I'm responsive to you so that you can, you know, trust me. That's that, right, that, right. That, that right. We're, in, we're in this together. Like, But I love how you're, t- the perspective that you're thinking about, like what what are we trying to do with the students? What are, what's the what's the bigger goal and how mm-hmm. to create that synergy? I, right, I, I right. really like that. Right. Um, well, I appreciate the time. Yeah. I know you're a busy guy. <laughs> uh, this, this has been fun. This is a welcome break. That's welcome right. Break. Well, yeah. well and, I, and I know uh, the holiday break for you is not as long as it's going to be for me. So. <laughs> uh, but, um, and, I, and again, it's a busy time. And I know there's some great work coming out of your office. And uh, I look forward to connecting folks to it through uh, the uh, show notes uh, that we'll put in the uh, for this episode. But anything else... So obviously they can access this toolkit. We'll put a link to it in the show. Anything else that you'd like to promote? Absolutely. I think um, I, w- I would just like people to watch the success of Pathways over the next few years. That's, yeah. that's what's going to have my focus. is a really ambitious plan that we're really proud of here at the yeah. university. Um, really excited about the momentum and the engagement from all the different units on our campus. And, and so I, I would encourage listeners to... Um, kind of watch that as a model of this process, this toolkit or this type of process actualized yeah. on our campus. I think it can provide a, a, a window into the challenges, into the opportunities for taking an approach like this. Um, but I'd also like to, there's another opportunity, I think, for seeing this type of framework or this type of thinking actualized. And that's in just following the work of our center, you yeah. know, at UM Inclusion on all of our social medias. Um, the things that we put out of our of our center are reflective of this kind of 
this this idea that students need to feel that they belong, that they need to understand what we're asking them to do as students at the university, and that we can help them believe that they can do those things uh, with some intentionality. So um, really excited about those things and would be really excited to see people engage with us in those ways. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to offer support and perspective to anybody who's listening as well who just wants to know beyond the toolkit itself, how do I get started? How do yeah. I stay motivated? What does hope look like as I that's, try oh, to advance these things? That. Yeah, yeah. So. that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, again, uh, I'm a big fan of your and I'll, I'll put it out there that this uh, this conversation, and you came over to my office, I, I want to head down to your way. Okay. And, uh and continue this, uh, and, and yeah, look at the success, but also be a partner in it. I think that's uh, we, we some exciting things happening here at the University of Mississippi. We'll get some burpees in too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, run over, don't walk over. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, EJ. I appreciate the time. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. There we go. Mentioned a lot of different. Uh, links and resources, um, some things maybe passed by even briefly. You want to go check out the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 62 to get access to all those different things. If you know of somebody that could benefit from this conversation, anyone that's, you know, maybe dealing with higher ed that could benefit from this, or just even thinking about your own organizations and thinking about how do we, how are we, are we regularly looking at what are we doing to create a more equitable uh, workspace? So again, the, I think that there's things that could be adaptable for a number of different contexts. So go ahead and take a look at the uh, free resources that's available. It's a 23 page workbook and it's, it's out there. Go take a look. All right. So again, that's at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 62. All right. That's about it. We're getting close to wrapping up this year. It's been a great year for the Eminem Planet podcast and just excited to kind of do some reflection and thinking about the year. And we'll have some episodes to do that. Going to have a, um, yeah, some uh, some exciting things. So so stay tuned. And if you ha- are not yet, please follow the Eminem Planet podcast on Spotify or you can uh, subscribe to it and whatever other uh, p- uh, podcast platforms you are accessing this episode. So go ahead and do that. You can also rate and review the podcast. That helps with whatever platform you're using. That always helps others to find this content. And also you can share it. So go ahead and share the podcast episode with somebody. If you want to, you can share a link to the show notes. They can access the audio and the links that are there, or you can just share uh, the episode from directly from the uh, podcast platform that you're looking at. So usually there's like a box with an arrow coming out of it. That's usually a share button. So uh, that's one way to support the podcast. You can also uh, look for us on social media because that's another way you can share stuff uh, on social media. We also have some other uh, podcasts that I'm a part of. Uh, So the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching is out there. Um, That's with myself and Dr. Ann Monroe. We talk about uh, stories of teacher development with a number of uh, teachers and educational leaders all different experiences. So that's kind of exciting. That's fun to do with Anne. And then we also have Teaching Math Teaching with Dusty Jones and Ava Thanheiser. Again, all the, both those podcasts can be found wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Or you can also go to Road to Better Teaching. Uh, that's the Teacher's Journey uh, podcast website. Or you can go teachingmathteachingpodcast.com. That's the uh, website for that podcast. So Follow us on social media, Amazon, at Amazon Planet. That's on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can also follow the Amazon Planet or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. There you can get hooked up with what we're posting out there. 
And then if you want to support the podcast financially, you can uh, purchase a book. Uh, you can go to, if you see a, a, a book that we've talked about on a podcast, you can go to the show notes page for that episode. And if you follow the links to the book and purchase that book, that some proceeds of that sale will go to support the production cost of the Eminent Planet podcast. You can also go to the Eminent Planet store, which is uh, links to both the Amazon Planet Bookshop and the Amazon Planet Store are in the footer at AmazonPlanet.com. Not very prominent right now, but we're looking to maybe upgrade some uh, some swag, some gear that we're doing. So eventually we'll get it out there. But if you're really looking for that link, it's down at the bottom of the of AmazonPlanet.com, and you'll see it. It says store. Anyway, thank you for joining me on this episode. I want to thank EJ Edney, Dr. EJ Edney, for sharing his time and expertise and for putting putting together this tool and being willing to share it in the every through the every learner everywhere network and so we also want to thank matt mifflin for the music in this episode and finally thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others this world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others thank you for all that you do peace <laughs>